This is the voice guy from your favorite podcast, Two Douchebags and a Microphone. People often ask us how they can find us when doing a remote broadcast. One, smell. Go to the city market and start sniffing. Our aroma has been described as a mixture of flea powder for goats, Tabasco sauce, and old sock with dark fuzzy urine. Two, look for the spot absent of patrons. Three, the most telling sign is a crowd of patrons vomiting uncontrollably. Four, just call us at 816-512-7717. Live from the story River Market District in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. All aware of the Amber Alert, right? Well, get rid of your disinfectants and rubber bedspreads, kids. It's the all-new Amber Herd Alert System. This fantastic early warning device helps one stay dry and rid of all those annoying mattress invoices. Simply hook up to child under six or psychopath and wait for the running water sound. This clever machine has three distinct settings, babbling brook, ocean waves, and roaring river for those close calls. Order today and get a free Cinnabon Renewsit cartridge. Rain is the coming down. Yeah, actually a very beautiful day. I mean, I, I like it when it rains up here. It's yeah. got a pretty good ambiance. I mean, ambiance, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's not bitter cold like no. it could be. It's still pretty mild. No, it's pretty mild, and it's just, I don't know, it's real tranquil. It is. It so, is. Anyhow, um, uh, did you hear about Mick Mars? I saw a headline that showed that... Uh, <laughs> Despite uh, Nikki Six's assurances that Mick Mars was having a nice, happy, easy retirement, Mick Mars is pissed. Yeah, and, uh, and we were the ones over here shaking our fists, calling bullshit on him yep. too. We knew better. And yep. Carmine of Peace or Apathy or whatever has been uh, backing all of this up, you know, yep. because he's good friends with Mick Mars. He's going to be part of Mick Mars's touring band. Uh-huh. Now, first off, I'd like to say this, and Topher and I talked about this on the way down here. Mick Mars is Motley Crue. Oh yeah, he is their sound. Without him, there is not a Motley Crue. No, you put John Five or any other motherfucker in there, it is not Motley Crue. Everyone's going to be comparing, saying, "Nope, he didn't play that right." Nope, he didn't play that right. No, I, yeah. I'm sorry. John Five is very good. Oh yeah, real good. But the thing is, is he is not Mick Mars, and Mick Mars is not that flashy. He he's he's the epitome of a. 70s style classic rock guitarist. Yeah, yeah. It's just tone. The tones in his fingers. Yes. And in his brain, and how he how he moves everything, and yeah, it's really hard to replicate that. And I remember years, years and years ago, Motley Crue, Nikki Six specifically, got in a little bit of shit because he invited Jakey Lee to join the band Motley Crue. Oh yeah. And and he said, oh, we were fucked up. I was just joking around. I always kind of earmarked that, like, hmm. You know, I, I don't care if you're fucked up or not. You know, Mick Mars is the sound. Yeah. And you would never have what you have without that guy. Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow. Uh, all right, CNN. This is uh, from CNN. Mick hey, Mars. we're getting some wind noise. Yeah, we are. Ooh, that wind just picked up, didn't it? Yeah. Ooh. So, um, Mick Mars, guitarist for 1980s heavy metal band Motley Crue. I don't agree with that. They're not heavy metal, but whatever. Called no. a lawsuit on Thursday against the band yeah. that he was a part of for four decades. Mars is requesting that seven 
corporate entities associated with Motley Crue hand over records related to their business dealings following a 2022 dispute stemming from Mars notifying the band that he'd be retiring from touring due to a medical condition. Okay. Mars claims the band subsequently attempted to oust him altogether and diminish future earnings he claims he's entitled to, according to a copy from a lawsuit obtained by CNN. It is beyond sad that after 41 years together, a band would try to throw out a member who is unable to tour anymore. So, okay. All right. Okay, so... That part is true. Yeah. He's unable to tour anymore, which sucks, because I really wanted to see him solo. But, the thing is, is this right here. All that being aside, they're taking advantage of him. Yeah. Yeah. So they're telling him, "Uh uh-uh, you're not getting a, you know, we're just going to take this whole ball of shit, and it's ours. Yeah. Well, something that I... Excuse me. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Something yeah. I thought of is, I think Mick Mars is saying, I can't tour as a member of Motley Crue and do Motley Crue shows. Oh. But he can still tour on his own terms, like, you know, one gig every four or five days. Whereas Crue, it's like night after night, every night. It, that would make sense the yeah. way it was worded with Carmine Yeah, Apathy So I, so I think what Mick that. is saying is... Yeah. I can't tour anymore with crew and keep up your pace. I can still write. I can still do the songs in the you know in the studio on the album, etc. Because but I know when I tour, said, I need to cut way back and do one show every few days. Because he did retire from touring. Yeah, and that was it. Retired from touring with Motley Crue. With but Motley that doesn't Crue, mean yes. he's never going to play live again. No, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I, I retired from the Postal Service because I couldn't handle carrying mail all the time. But if I could if I could get a job delivering flowers for a florist shop, you know, that's much easier. I could handle that. Yeah. So I think that's the situation he's in. I'm probably over-explaining. Over <laughs> no, no, no. no. It, I think that uh, it was necessary to get the effect across. So, yeah. Um, okay. So Molly uh, Crew so. just decided they want to boot him all the way out. So if you're not doing 100%, we don't want any of you. Yeah. So Mick Mars has been pushed around far too long in a band. We're not going to let this continue, Ed McPherson, the attorney representing Mick Mars, who filed the lawsuit Thursday, um, was uh, in a CNN statement. So he told CNN a statement. Mm -hmm. McPherson said in the suit that when Mars notified Motley Crue that he'd retire from touring due to his debilitating... Achillosine spondylitis, a condition that mainly affects the spine. He made it clear that he had no intention of leaving the band, that he could still record with them and still perform with them in a residency situation. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So they could go to Vegas and do their residency like mm-hmm. all these other bands in that era has done. Yeah. And they'd be fine. So it's the traveling that's really screwing with them. Yes. The suit alleged, just like Ozzy, Ozzy said mm-hmm. that he could probably do a residency, but he could not do touring. Yeah. Yeah, so, anyhow. Or touring as he knows it. Yeah. Like yeah. a show every three days, like he had been doing. Yeah. So, the suit alleges the band that then called an emergency shareholders meeting for Motley Crue's main corporate entity in order to throw Mars out of the band, to fire him as director of the corporation, to fire him as an officer of the corporation, and to take away his shares of the corporation. Wow. Is that not a fucking cocksucker? Nikki Six. In my opinion, you're a piece of fucking shit. Apparently you, so. You are the person you swore you never would become. Exactly. You... 
you need to go fucking just go stop. I don't even want to listen to your fucking music anymore, you fucking asshole. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I I really don't think Nikki Six was always this way. Something turned him into this money grabbing, greedy. That motherfucker's only alive because of the grace of God. Yeah. He shot so much heroin he fucking killed himself. Twice. Twice. Yeah. So I don't want to hear anything from Uh, that guy. Gosh. Fuck you, Nikki Six. What a creep. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Yeah. And then look at a band like Rush. They were together for decades. They all liked each other. They said, you know, the key to their longevity is none of them ever thought they were better than anyone else. It's like, you know, everybody in the band is my friend and I want to work with them and I'm not competing against them. Every one of them were so uber talented, they had nothing to prove. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, Neil Peart. Yeah. (laughs) Alex Lifeson. Yeah. Getty Lee. I was listening to some Rush the other day and just listening to the bass lines. Oh, the bass lines. Amazing. It's amazing. His bass lines are so prominent, it almost sounds like lead bass. Yeah. I mean, he was just, yeah. And they're always so tasty. Yeah, Yeah. and always thought provoking. Yeah. They didn't just come out and go, crotch, dick, pussy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They were uh, very thought provoking, very intellectual, Mm -hmm. progressive. Hard. And they always challenge themselves. Yes. You know, and new album, okay, let's try something different, something, you know, we haven't done before and oh, something never, that we're not good at. They never just sat status quo. Mm, yeah. Well, anyhow, back anyway, to this back for to one Mars. second. Yeah. Molly Crew always performs the songs live, but during the last tour, Mick struggled to remember chords played from the songs and made constant mistakes for Ledges' departure from the band is what Motley Crue said. Hmm. Motley Crue famously reunited in 2019, announced a new tour after performing what was supposed to be their last show at the end of 2015, yeah. which says everything right there. Yeah. You know, he he reminds me of, this is like Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons on steroids. Yeah. They got so uppity and up in the clouds, and we've been here the whole time and all that. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I, I don't respect that. I never will. And I think it's cheap. I think it's horrible. I don't think a good person does this. And and I think Nikki Six is a very he's a low life. Yeah. And Tommy Lee, you don't have to say anything about that either. Just look at him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That guy's lucky to be alive too. That fucking brain yeah. dead fucking. Uh, but you know what? Liquor. You know, Nikki Six wants to be the king of the Motley Crew Hill. Uh, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons want to be king of the of the Kiss Hill, and. Apparently they are, and I guess they're enjoying it. But you know what? In a few years, no one's going to give a shit about Motley Crue or Kiss or any of that. They're no. on their way out, on their way down. They know it. Their yeah. fan base is dying. They're not really getting new fans. So they're doing all this to hold on to the last gasp as it's all crumbling away. So congratulations on that. But now we're all going to remember you as a money-grubbing dick. Well, I kind of look at it like this, too. The real Motley fans, uh-huh. not these ones that are showing up to go watch them uh, at a residency or whatever. Ooh, look at that one. Yeah. Lightning, I'm talking about. I'm going to I'm gonna get a wind filter out here. Yeah, good that's here. a good idea. It's starting to hit pretty hard. on everyone yeah, yeah all right it's gonna work now there's a sock on we've got a condom on the microphone yes. so it's yep. gonna cut the wind down a it's little bit. safe now yes yeah <laughs> so um yeah uh you know what this just shows you that this is all these people have ever had in their life and they're not letting go yeah yeah 
you know, the uh, uh, a well-rounded uh, person. Takes him to the cleaners. Yeah, really. A well-rounded person would get more going on in their life than just the one thing. Yes. But not everybody's a well-rounded person. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Obviously, Nicky has been missing a lot ever since he was a child, and all the stuff that he said that you know, and yeah. being abandoned, basically all that stuff, it's had an effect on him. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching one of his videos during the reunion tour, uh, Generation Swine. There's some fucked upness going on in that head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so, think. and that's generally where the the more gifted and unique creative people come from is their brains been jacked with. Yeah. 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 I mean, look look at it like this. As soon as Trent, Trent Reznor got happy, he can't stand his music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So I still contend you would have never got Nirvana without Kurt Cobain killing himself. Yeah, it took that kind of pain to make that kind of music. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Cornell too, I guess. In, in yeah, a way. The, uh, the the genuineness of the of the despair and anguish, etc., is what attracted people to it. Because you know, this is real. This I believe this person. I believe what they're they're really feeling. What they're talking about. Yeah, real but, music says something. Yeah, real music has something to say. Real music is outraged. Real music is uh, um, undeniable. Yeah, it's art. Yeah, the just you know the happy you know pop crap that you know is friendly to your ear and you can listen while not even thinking about it that's not really music that's just background noise it's background noise yeah yeah, yeah. if you really want to get to real music then you get to the angry stuff the stuff the protest all yeah. of that that's you what know. i like about you know a number of the bands i listen to is is they have the appropriate level of anger in yes. their music. I mean, you can't have too much to where it's like, kill you, fuck you, die, yeah. everybody. No. No. It's not what I'm talking about. That's just pointless. That's... Yeah. But to have something to say and be passionate about it, that I like that. In, in, in I the do song. too. It makes better music, so. Yeah. Uh, did you have something you wanted to go into? Um, yeah, I was, I was watching a show uh, yesterday. Uh, it just happened to be on. My wife was watching it, and I, I watched for a bit, and I really started noticing some interesting things about the way the show was made. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Secrets of the Zoo, Tampa. And I guess they have Secrets of the Zoo in different cities everywhere. But uh, the premises of the show is they follow these people around who work at the zoo and, and film them having interactions with the animals, etc. Mm -hmm. But here's what I noticed about the show immediately. Number one, 90 to 95 percent female cast. I only saw two. I mean, I watched for about on and off for about three hours, three episodes. Uh -huh. I saw two men that entire time. I oh, saw wow. probably about two dozen women come and go, but two men, and one of them was very obviously gay. Okay. So. The, the show made the decision we're going to have an all-female cast or a relentlessly female cast. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them were not wearing a single bit of makeup. None of them had their hair done. It was either just hanging in disarray or tied up in a messy bun or ponytail. Okay. So every single woman on the show, they made the choice, no makeup, don't do their hair make them look just plain as day how weird that is weird yeah. i wonder what the whole thought process is on that why i know 
And you know, I mentioned that to my wife, and the first thing she did was defend the show, saying, "Oh well, these are these are biologists. They don't care about their appearance." And I said, "No, this is a TV show." Yeah, with biologists in it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and these girls aren't biologists; they're volunteers. Oh, they're not. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, then, yeah. Okay. And if the production staff wanted them to be wearing makeup, they'd be wearing makeup. I, I mean, everything, they yeah. sex up everything. you think that that yeah. would just be like a known, like, uh -huh. hey, guys, you know, go out there. And, and then I, I mentioned to her that it was, a, you know, a mostly female cast. And she said, well, that's probably who volunteers. And again, I said, but this isn't real life. This is a TV show. And everything you're seeing has been calculated and decided. Yes. They chose for this to be an all-female cast. If they wanted more men in the cast, they would have found some and put them in there. Yeah. They don't leave shit to chance. And I finally, she finally came around to thinking, okay, you're right. This is all artificial and scripted this way and made this way. And that, that's the point I was making is, why did they choose to do it this way? Because none of that just happened. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of an angle, but I don't know what they would have, why they would have benefited from that at all. Well, here's the next part. Okay. The way they edited the show, about 50% of what all these women were saying, and these were women from like 18 to 26 or so, you know, prime age for marriage, prime age for starting a family, etc., etc. There's no older women. Um... They edited it in such a way that almost 50% of what these women were talking about was gushing over the cute baby animals. So they're putting themselves in mommy roles. Oh, look at this cute baby. Oh, he's yeah, such adorable but little baby. But, so they're not, they're not a sex figure. They're not a sex object on the show. They're plain. They have, you know, must up hair and... You know, They're you being can go really real open-eyed and, and, and innocent about, oh, all the sweet baby animals. They're like the, the super innocent girl next door. You think door. they're portraying angels? Could be. Because there's there's not a lot okay. sexual about yeah, these. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Sexless, uh, maybe somewhat female-looking, taken care of from mm -hmm. above, kind of. Like they swooped in and said, yeah. oh, we're going to watch out over these. Yep. Do you think, like, maybe a... Uh, a creator or producer of the show wanted it like that and said... I think what they want is women to watch and not feel threatened by any of the women on the show. Oh, oh I'm prettier than all these women. Oh, okay. My because hair is better than all these women. That destroys shows. So they can just sit there and enjoy and feel good about them without feeling in competition with that any of them. That does make sense. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh. Now, all of the women, everybody on the show, first name only... It was like, oh, this is Brandy, and this is Christina, and this is, the vet was Dr. Melissa. Hmm. So intentionally leaving off the last name, everybody's on first name basis. That, that also lends an air of everybody's a good, real good friends. We're all on first name basis. Nothing's ever formal. It's all just good friends. Oh, this Dr. Yeah. Melissa and, and buddy friend. and you know, uh, It's just... And then the advertisements that ran during that show, uh, a one that ran over and over was for a Yukon vet show. Mm -hmm. There again, it was a woman. Uh -huh. Everybody on her staff, female. And all of them in their 20s. 
So it's a theme. It's a theme that's coming It's a up. theme going, yeah. You know, not a man in sight, and all these happy, friendly women who aren't competing sexually with each other for the attention of a man. Huh. Isn't that interesting? I'm trying to figure out an angle of where this is going, mm-hmm. but I don't. I have not connected the dots yet. Yeah. Why they would do it like this. And then also very prominent in the advertisements, lots of uh, pet-related ads for food, medicine, care, etc. And everyone that was about a pet's medicine showed a pretty female veterinarian. So it's like for three hours on this channel, men didn't exist. Not at all. Hmm. And, that, and somebody made that choice, and I'm trying to figure out why. Psychological? It Maybe the people that they were intending the show to... Exactly. To, the people they wanted to watch the show, they figured didn't want to see men anywhere. Is that what yeah, was that? That's it? the only thing I could think of. Yeah, to intentionally exclude one gender completely from not only the show, but the commercials and the ads for future shows. And it's like hours and hours of not a man in sight. Somebody made a choice to do it that way. I wonder why. Yeah. Is uh, it, I mean, were they correct? Is the audience that watched that show so threatened by the mere appearance of a man on the screen that they would change the channel and dislike the show? I guess so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But can you imagine a bunch of guys sitting around and say, hey, I want to watch a show where it's just all guys, no women. No, oh, no that's I don't not going to happen. No, no. But I can see women saying, hey, let's watch a show where it's all just women and no men. Oh, I can see that easily. Yeah. I can see that easily. Yeah, so I, that, that might have been what the programming idea was. It's let's program for these women that don't want to see men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> well. Um, I got an interesting thing here. Remember last week you were talking about, uh, did you tell me about, no, we'd said this on air, about um, Ace Freely. Yeah. Yeah, and he said that uh, Paul Stanley is on Howard Stern. And he said, uh-huh. that he he, said he was going to. He's going to sound like piss if Ace is still with him. Yeah. Well, Ace got on Eddie Trunk, and uh, and anyhow, um, he, he, you know, like you said, he, he was talking about, you know, if you don't apologize to me in writing that I'm going to spill some of your dirty secrets. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ace Freely said he'd heard back from Paul Stanley shortly after demanding an apology from his former KISS bandmate last week. Mm-hmm. But all he received was a fuck you during a five-second phone call. <laughs> wow. Tell us how you really feel, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it, it also makes me wonder... If this just isn't one big promotional gimmick. Yeah, I'm thinking Andy Kaufman and the wrestler. Yeah, you go on your Mm. platform, which would be Howard Stern. They're both on Sirius XM, mind you. Oh, Then you go go. on your platform, uh, Eddie Trunk, which would be Ace, Uh because they're best friends, and they, you know, anyhow, a long history together. As promised last week, Freely returned to Eddie Trunk's uh, Trunk Nation uh, today to offer an update on his ongoing war of words with Stanley and Gene Simmons. The spaceman previously threatened to air some dirt on his ex-colleagues if Stanley did not apologize within a week mm-hmm. for the disparaging remarks he made during a recent Howard Stern interview. When asked if Stanley cont- contacted him, Freely said yes, but he did. But not, not long after the show was over, I was blindsided by the phone call, but instead of an apology, I got a five-second phone call which said, fuck you, Ace, I'm not going to apologize, and I hung up. Wow. 
He wasn't even man enough to let me give a rebuttal and explain why I'm upset over anything like that. Yeah. Well, something I'll be curious to see. Wow. So far, it hasn't crossed any line. Yeah. It, it, like, if now, if uh, Ace was to come back and say that Paul Stanley hates black people, and I have him on tape saying the N-word or something, then that's too far. Yeah. But just insinuating and throwing little bits around like mm -hmm. this could be and this could be, it's nothing. It's nothing that they yeah. can't be. All of a sudden, they're on stage the last five shows. They made up and they're yeah. going to all play this big... It's a big kumbaya moment and they're all hugging and yeah. Yeah, yeah if, if the dirt that Ace has on them involves something that could result in criminal charges, then I'll take it seriously. But yes. if it's just embarrassing, like, oh, he cheated on his wife with three girls and, the, or, and he... Uh, and meanwhile, Paul Stanley already he stood said, on hey, his balcony with this. his wiener out. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not something like, you know, he raped a 13-year-old in Toledo once and I have pictures, you know, yeah, then exactly. I would believe Ace really has some dirt and is trying to hurt him. But if it's all just, you know, good old boy embarrassing stuff, then yeah, they're working together to pump up their shows and they're yeah. and they're so, hyping their um, image. It wouldn't be the first time they did this. Absolutely. Think about that uh, that unplugged MTV Live unplugged. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. it all of a sudden uh, Eric Singer and uh, um, Bruce Kulick leave. Yep. And Ace and Peter come up there and replace it. Oh, oh my god, they're all back together again. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this working up to, call, to some big. Uh, I'm just, I'm about two seconds away from calling bullshit on them. Yeah, yeah, and then they'll get them all together at the final show. They'll all hug and cry and kiss, and then release an <laughs> NFT of the moment. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buy our non-fungible token of this reunion. <laughs> Ace and Paul hugging each other on stage. Yes. <laughs> I got this because it means so much to me. Yeah. Then they end up leaving and going, fuck you. Yeah. Hope you get fucking ass cancer. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Go run right another just, wall. You know, milking us idiot fans for every every yes. penny we have. Because we're selling rubes. us the lie that they we're really rubes. like each other. Yeah, we're rubes and we love a nice story. <laughs> yes. Look at them. They love each other again. Yes. It's like when they very first met. I'd rather spend $1,000 and believe a happy lie yeah. than keep my $1,000 and face the unpleasant truth. Yeah, but if you listen to Paul and Gene, they all never really liked each other that much anyhow from no, the start. No, it's, it's been a business from the it's beginning. It's been a business from the start. They've never been bandmates. They've always been co-workers. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I remember uh, Paul saying stuff like Lace is kind of lazy and fat and didn't really like to yeah. carry his stuff in. And, mm -hmm. and uh, Gene insinuating that Ace may be a little fucking, uh, I don't know, a little bi or something when he gets yeah. trapped. I mean, all this stuff. And another, another thing with Motley Crue is remember when John Karabi was blamed for the failure of that album and tour mm -hmm. and they, they just dumped everything on him and kicked First of his all, that out. was a damn fine album. What it was, failed it is favorite. they called it Motley Crue. Yeah, they should have called it something else. Yes. But anyway, now they're talking about bringing John Karabi back to replace Vince Neil. So all of a sudden they don't hate him anymore. It's a business decision. <laughs> and John Karabi will go along with it, although yeah. I heard his solo and he doesn't care for him. No, I, I, I mean, John Karabi he doesn't like him. He played solo in Kansas City a couple yeah. times. Oh, but go ahead. as he said, he said, you know, I, I don't you know, it's not like we're friends or anything. You know, it'd be a business arrangement if they if they want to pay me to sing their songs. Sure, I'll do it. Quite frankly, I'd rather at this point go see John Karabi with that band yeah, than anybody I think else. So. But I I still contend they need to change the name. Yeah, 
Yeah, maybe they could leave something in there to remind you it's Motley Crue. Yeah. Just like, you know, say it's... You second know, crew. I don't second know. crew yeah, yeah, or, something. you know... Two live crew. Yeah, oh, okay. oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's taken. That's yes, taken. I think somebody already has yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> I saw a thing. I'm a just sick the of the big day. churn machine. Yeah. That's all. Okay, go I ahead. saw a post from Vanilla Ice the other day, and he was saying back when Ice Ice Baby was you know making him a bunch of money, he said Suge Knight approached him at a hotel, uh, took him up to his room, and... Uh, it was Suge Knight and some of his bodyguards, and uh, Ice Ice was there all by himself. Mm-hmm. And Suge suggested that Vanilla Ice should assign his royalty points over to Suge Knight. That it would be really a good idea if he did that. And then he mentioned that it was a long way down from the balcony. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, he actually hung him over the balcony. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it was like ten stories up, and he actually put put him out there. Mm. And was holding him by his legs and hung him over the balcony. Yeah. yeah. Now, you see, that's the kind of stuff you expect to see in mafia movies. Yeah, yeah. and but, who knows if that's true or not. I but mean, I could totally see that in the entertainment industry. All that's required is something where lots of money is changing hands. And organized crime move right, moves right in. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, just a natural solution for him. I mean, why wouldn't look at, somebody uh, say, I will kill you unless you sign over the rice to this hit song to me? Yeah. And then it's in the press like, oh, yeah, well, I sold him this song for this amount or whatever. And then really it was an extortion and the guy would have been dead. Yeah. Yep. You know, if there's millions of dollars at stake, you got to believe, yeah, somebody's going to take someone's life over that. Sure they yeah. will. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I could see, you know, some of these one-hit wonders, they like, they have one big hit and then they disappear. They probably get the one big hit get exposed to what success in the music industry is like and then run screaming for home yeah yeah yep that's you know half of the one hit wonders that you never hear of again they're like oh screw this i'm gonna go back and work in a paper mill (laughs) yeah the the uh um the industry was completely different than they thought is most people have this idea that you make it big you get a ton of money and Mm -hmm. everybody loves you yeah yeah. And everything good comes your way, and everybody's, you know, spawning around you. But actually, you become the prize cow yep. in the state fair. Yep. And people will take pieces off you, trade you back and forth, and when you're all used up, they throw oh, yeah. you and away. That, and that's and that's how you get a lot of this mental <laughs> yeah. diseases and people freaking out. And yeah. It's because they can't handle the fact that they're no longer the golden cow. That like People yeah. don't want to deal with them because they like them. Mm-hmm. They're only dealing with them because they can make money off of them. Yeah. And when they, when they hit that reality that they're no longer worth anything to anybody, that's when the real, you know, that's yeah. when you get the suicidal stuff and the yeah. drug use and, you know. Now, the drug use might have all, always been there, but not to the extent of when they yeah. realize, you know, they're... I think a lot of the drug use... Well, the drug use in the music industry in, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s, it had a twofold purpose. One, it made the artists much easier to control because you take away part of their will and they depend on you for their drug fix. Yeah. Therefore, they're easier to deal with. And two... The record company would give them, you know, like the million dollar advance, and then they'd get it all back selling drugs to the musician. Uh huh. So the musician would, you know, that advance would go up their nose or in their vein, 
and the record companies now got all their money back and anything they make off this band is pure profit. Mm -hmm. And now the band has to go out and work extra hard and do whatever the label says because they're all out of money because they snorted it all. Mm -hmm. That happened with so many bands, too. Yeah, so the band becomes a slave because they're addicted. Their label keeps them addicted because that's a way to siphon back all the money they get paid for anything. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, we got to pay the artist 10% royalties? That's all right. We'll just mark up his Coke another 10%. Yeah, they got their money back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then when he can't write or sing or perform anymore, we kick his ass to the curb and find a younger version. Yeah, and then that's where you get all these Skid Row stories about all these uh, stars. Yeah. Two ass bags and a box of Cheez-Its will be right back. Hey, look, I think we found land. Oh my God, I think we're safe. Oh no, it's the island of horrible jokes. pursuit for a real knee slapper it's strange insults from an alien real hilarity hey sure produce a sound similar to a fart but only once such that you cannot reproduce it and prove that it was just the chair if a 10 pound bag of shit could talk this is what it would sound like something here i'm hearing sirens aren't you yes me too well there's a severe thunderstorm just to on the kansas just to the north wyandotte county has Mm. one going on there so i don't know how hairy the weather's going to get here but you might hear some pretty cool stuff i had uh, a couple of douchebags screaming and running off we don't know (laughs) i had a route a mail route once that was uh down in the kansas river bottoms k32 Uh uh-huh uh it's it was like about half businesses uh, and the residential part was mostly trailer parks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was probably about eight feet above river level. So when we've got a rain like this, you needed a canoe to get around on that mail road. Because oh, wow. <laughs> the water all drained down to the river and it couldn't drain fast enough. And man. So we're back some, up. Yeah, there were some streets that I just couldn't get into when it rained like this. What did you do? Just hold their mail till yeah. it went down? Yeah. Oh, okay. And there was one, one whole trailer park that would flood. And there'd be like six to eight inches of standing water for days, and it would never dry out. Wow, it was just awful. I don't so, know why. Why do people live there? I don't get it. It's like man, yeah. they move out. I don't know. Some of those trailer parks, they started building them up on stilts because mm-hmm. they got flooded out. And then the other ones that, uh, if they as they would flood out, they wouldn't let them rebuild. Yeah. They said, no, you got to rebuild somewhere else or put them all on stilts. Well, that's what I'm talking about is, I mean, it sucks for the people because I know their home's there and they'll never get the value out of it or nothing like yeah. that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I get it for their own safety and then people trying to service them too, their safety. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of rebuilding, you uh, hear about San Francisco? Oh, I know they've been having some troubles lately. Well, yeah, they have. This is according to the San Francisco Chronicle. The city is on the verge of collapse. I can believe it. Me too. 
I mean, you look at everything all together, not just what's happening lately, but over time. They've made a number of unsustainable decisions on how to yeah. run their city, and it's, it just doesn't work. Well, I mean, this feel-good stuff only works for so long, and then you eventually have to make hard decisions. Yeah. And that means, like, if there's a lot of hobos there, you're going to have to do something with them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, you know, you can't just let them just live off of everybody and shit everywhere. You know, and, so. and to pretend that they're just, you know, oh, happy, friendly people that just happen to live no, outdoors. they have mental illness. They're yeah. angry. A lot of them are angry, like Miss Gulfenstein here, very angry yeah. at whoever but she's yelling at. Not yeah. happy with As long as they deal with reality, then you have a chance. But San Francisco has been believing uh, their own bullshit. And a lot of them went there because of that. They're like, look, they, they don't care what we do here, so we're just going to go there. Yeah. So, Anyhow, much of San Francisco is facing an economic death spiral brought on by post-pandemic woes, the Chronicle said in an editorial. The article is headlined, San Francisco could be on the verge of collapse. What should California do about it? Well, traditionally, if something collapses, Mm -hmm. it's lying on the ground, you take a bulldozer, you scrape it off and you build something back over it. Yeah, pretty much. The outcome of San Francisco (laughs) is at risk of collapsing and taking much of the Bay Area with it, according to the editorial. Experts say post-pandemic woes stemming from office workers staying home instead of commuting into the city could send San Francisco into a doom loop that would gut its tax base, decimate fare-reliant regional transportation system like BART, and trap it in an economic death spiral. The article asks the question, who would have predicted such a fate? Anyone who paid attention to what happened in New York on 9-11 terrorist attacks, it answered. Like San Francisco, Lower Manhattan Financial District was once a nearly exclusive daytime hub for suburban offices, commuters, and businesses who fed them lunch mm-hmm. and a ghost town after dark. That all changed after 9-11. But New York came up with a version for reinventation, which they did. Yeah. The Big Apple Financial District would become a place where people lived and worked. About two twenty, uh, about twenty billion in public and private investments were spent on making the vision a reality. Yeah. So it sounds to me like, just on what I read here, there's nobody willing to take a leap of faith into San Francisco because of their policies. Yeah. They're all going. That's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll stay back here. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll give you six months. See where you are. Then we'll yeah. talk. Yeah. We'll we'll come back a little later. Uh, uh, good luck. Yeah. Post World War II, the the paradigm was build the suburbs in, in outside the city. You know that's, and that's a, where everyone lives. Those are bedroom communities, and yeah. then everyone commutes into the city to work, and you pay the taxes there to support all those buildings. And yeah. at the end of the day, everyone drives out again. And the only people living in the city are the disadvantaged people who have to take the lower paying jobs in the inner city like trash collection maintaining the sewer system sweeping and cleaning your nice office building mm-hmm. i mean that was the paradigm it is the upper middle and upper class white folk move to the suburb mm-hmm. and enjoy the good life and anybody living in the city well you know your life sucks just deal with it yeah yeah that's absolutely correct and i think san francisco is still kind of built on that model yeah, where they much, have high, much. high, high, uh, high value neighborhoods, high value areas that kind of sustain themselves with high taxes, but they depend on people coming into those areas. Yeah, which is not really happening now. Yeah, the editorial noted the financial district ended up uh, bouncing back 
The tragedy of 9-11 inadvertently revealed the glaring vulnerabilities and inadequacies of office-dependent 9-to-5 business districts Yeah, and created a new model for making America downtowns more stable economic engines for local governments and fostering better, more compelling urban life, the editorial said, which we're doing here in Kansas City. Yeah. The urban life is, is a lot of these lofts and, uh, and uh, condos and apartments that they're building with play areas built into them, yeah. right next to them, underneath them, around them. And getting people away from yeah. the idea of needing to own a car. A car yeah. is a choice anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like this big park that they're planning on building over 670 downtown. Yeah. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Because people will go like, I don't need to, I don't need to live out on the uh, suburbs anymore. I have a huge green space right here. Yeah. Well, the 9 to 5 office culture that we're talking about, with the big office buildings, that was never an efficient way for humans to live or an efficient way for us to have our careers. It was that way because it provided lots of tax dodges for the people who owned the buildings, owned the businesses, yes. uh, worked in the city planning commission or the county planning commission. I mean, it made a shit ton of money for a bunch of people, mm -hmm. not us. Yeah. We just had to live within the system they created, which was good for them. I'm starting to get a little spray mist now. Yeah, here. I am too. <laughs> We're so getting a little shower the, doing the podcast. Now everything is changing. People uh, are like, you know, to hell with your 9 to 5 commuting culture. I'm just going to live here, work here, do that, maybe change jobs every 6, 8 months. Yeah. And these enormous structures that all these cities have built downtown suddenly are a big tax liability. Mm -hmm. And the people that have enjoyed the tax breaks up till now have got to figure out a way to change it back or get out from under their big giant office buildings. Well, I think so that's, that's, that's the push to, you know, hey, get back to work, come back into the office because they want their tax breaks back. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not because we're more productive. It's not because it's better for us. Well, you know, it said here that San Francisco didn't get the memo, but the thing about this article here was it was an article about an article. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, it said how uh, how the Chronicle suggested this and that. Uh -huh. Well, I, I went to the Chronicle and it's a subscription deal, so I was like, no, I'm not paying five bucks to go no. find that. So I just went off of this. So, uh, okay. Um, it didn't come up with any answers. It just posed questions. Yeah. So I think the answers are this right here. They're just going to make people start working in their offices again with no explanation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you could. I know a lot of banks that are like that now. They're like, yeah, you could work at home, but we're not going to let you. They're going to try to make it a condition of employment. Yes. That you show up you in person at in. this location. Yeah. Or at least three days a week. Now, the, the interesting thing will be, can they get enough people to agree to that? Or are they going to be, or is that going to be, you know, well, time after time, people saying, nah, no these thanks. New companies that didn't build up like that, they're just going to go, no, work at home. We don't even want to build a building. Yeah. They got the advantage right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and I think the federal government also has a vested interest because they collect the tax monies. So they want big office buildings well, sooner generating later, they're going to figure revenue. out a way to make people go back into the city. Yeah. That's just all there is to it. Either that or they're going to find a way to tax them for not going back into the city. That might be what they're going to do. And yeah. that's how come they're not really seeming that interested in what's going on. They're just kind of like, a, okay, all it's right. It's like uh, if you have an electric car 
you're not paying the uh, the, ta the tax to fix up the roads and the highways because that's built in the price of gas. So people who buy electric cars, the government is telling them, no, you have to go back and pay as much tax as you would have paid if you'd been buying gas all this time because you're still using the roads. You've yeah, got to pay right. that tax. Yeah. I think there will be a similar thing where they say, okay, you're working for a home, but this downtown still exists, so we're going to tax you because you're not using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to wind up I being something like that. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's what I say. Yeah. But, yeah, San Francisco has coasted a long time on being a tech hub, uh, a great place to live, great quality of life, and I think the PR campaign uh, people are seeing through it now, and it's just a city like any other, and it costs way too much to live there and do anything there. <coughs> yeah. So people are deciding on cheaper places to live, work, have their business, take their vacations, etc. Mm -hmm. And San Francisco is not wanting to cut their prices, as it were. It's like, no, we want to be this big, expensive city, so we're going to polish our image up again and try to get the money back. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there, but there are cities that come and go in popularity, and maybe this is San Francisco's time to become the next Fresno. <laughs> Let's hope not. There'll be a lot of disappointed people. Yes. They'll become the next Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I just ran across something when I was looking for my a couple of stories that I have here. Yeah. Okay. And I was going to ask this uh, um, uh, actually a couple months ago. Yeah. And anyhow, I just saw it written here in handwriting. Okay. You know how you order like chow now in all these places, right? To yeah. To get to the restaurant to order something to go pick it up. Yeah. Not delivery. Just go pick it up. Yeah. And they still ask how much tip you leave. Yeah. What okay. the hell are we tipping for? <laughs> yeah. Does that does that money even go to the people is what I like to know. They have no way of knowing it. No. They have no way of proving it. Yeah. And how are we going to say, hey, did you guys give them $300,000 worth of tips last year? Mm-hmm. I mean, would that have been added on their check? Did they pay in cash? Man, you're just taking their word for it. Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm going to tip this guy. I think it's a he new scam. probably never sees a penny of it. I yeah, think it's a new scam. It yeah, it's just like I found this out. Um, like Instacart, they will not. They will buy the the stuff from Price Chopper that's cut in half, mm -hmm. but they charge you the regular rate. Uh, they don't give you the discount. Uh, so they make a little money off of that, from what I understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, allegedly, but it looks like it is. I mean, that's what I've had some people tell me. Yeah. That work for them. They say, oh, no, 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 they, they still charge the same price. They might have bought this for a buck fifty. They're still charging three bucks. Yeah. They have work it in as service fees, convenience fees, sure. et cetera. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, they have the upper hand on that. It's yeah. like a, the plus fees. And well, most, most people fees. don't look. Yeah. Well, I mean, whenever you buy a hotel out of town or even in town, mm -hmm. you see plus fees, service fees. Yeah. Yeah, those are just gouging you. Well, it's like uh, we're going to the uh, Freaks on Parade concert coming up September. Rob yeah. Zombie, Alice oh, Cooper, Ministry, and Filter. Yeah. Um, our tickets are like uh, $60 tickets. And uh, the service fees for the four tickets added up to more than the price of a ticket. Yeah. 
Isn't that fucked up? It is. As much as I hate Ticketmaster and Axis and all that, who added all these fees? Is this municipal fees? No, this is just for the hell of it fees. Just because they can? Yeah. Right. Just because they have a monopoly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. That's Someone posted a, a photo of their, a uh, copy of their receipt for a different concert, and they the tickets were like in the six to $700 range. Uh-huh. And he bought two tickets, and the fees were $1,300. Shit. Because it's based on the price of the ticket. Uh-huh. Now, nothing nothing has changed. You know, you buy a ticket, they do, you know, the exact same thing to get you the ticket. If the ticket's worth a dollar or $500, it doesn't matter. They've spent the exact same amount of time and money processing that ticket. But they're not satisfied with that. They want a bigger cut of the more expensive ticket. Yeah. So you buy a dollar ticket, you're going to pay 20 cents. You buy a $500 ticket, you're going to pay 200 bucks. Yeah. (laughs) All Um, right. Well, uh, we stopped for a moment there because I had to order some uh, hot coffee because it is so freaking cold down here. (laughs) Yeah. And and the wind's blowing in and rain mist is hitting us. Yes. So, uh, uh, let's see. You were talking about robot tipping because I got a couple articles here about robot waiters and how they're kind of failing and all this yeah um, it was an article uh, initially is <clears throat> about a, a Japanese restaurant that was uh, using robotic servers uh-huh. uh, in play, instead of people coming out and bringing your food it was just a little, little rectangular robot that would come out with trays and come to your table and drop it off just a little generic little bastard yeah and people were enjoying it because it was, you know, no one's touching their food. It's, you know, nice and impersonal. But yeah, I get it. Here's the kicker. People are tipping the robot. <laughs> it's not a person. It's not alive. I it doesn't ro- need income. Do you think the robot prompts it? Prompts them? Like it gives them the, the opportunity, I'm not, sure. I'm sure it does, yeah. too. But, yeah, I wouldn't be so... Well, in Japan, that might be considered rude for the robot to say, you know, hey, tip me. But... Uh, it would go over, I'm yeah. sure, in America where the tipping culture is just nuts. You know, oh, yeah. People tip for anything and everything. But, yeah, I, I imagine that you know, a little robotic server comes up and gives your plate and some guy tipping at $5 just because it's cute Who or to impress his girlfriend. Oh, the owner of the shop, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, too. it's just another way to get money from you. <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, have you heard about uh, Pat Sajak being in trouble? Um, not specifically this time, no. Well, he gets in a lot of a lot of little bickering and stuff, people online, because he says off-color things. Oh, wow. And what, well, here's the deal. I've noticed this. Mm-hmm. He's very entertaining because his mind keeps going, uh-huh. and he just says little things. <laughs> but he doesn't have time to filter him to what it sounds like what it could, what he could mean mm. by it. But it's really nothing inadvertently, like, overly anything. Oh, okay. It's like little... in. Innuendos. <laughs> Enough innuendo that it could, yeah, it passes. This. Yes. No, okay. But, I mean, as far as entertaining, I don't think there's very many people that could do what he does. Yeah, he's and lasted quick, a long time in that how show. How quick and how fast he is on his feet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyhow, this time I think it's warranted uh, the uh, because I watched him. Oh, okay. And I do think, and I think that he's just being <laughs> stubborn by not backing down. <laughs> Numerous Wheel of Fortune fans are furious. They feel a contestant was robbed on April 7th, 2023 episode. Alexa Hustra was uh, represented um, uh, Texas Women's University was ruled to have incorrectly say the phrase, just winging it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
she, the way she said it with that Texas draw was just winning it is what it almost sounded like. Winning, not Win winging. Yes. Ah. Yes. And uh, yeah. And anyhow, it it was when you listen to it a couple of times, sounds just like she said, just winging. The, it's so close that mm -hmm. they need to just give it to her, but I don't know if they have yet or if they're going to. Seconds after uh, Pat declared her to have not won, Twitter blew up with controversy. Mm -hmm. Many people saying that Pat ripped her off a hundred grand. The lady has a Texas straw, and when listened to a couple of times, she might very well have just said she might have said just winging it instead of just winning it. Yeah. Like uh, like Pat called. No word on whether the Wheel of Fortune will look into this matter or not, but I think they need to. And look, even if she gets a free one, it's going to be great for publicity. They're going to go look. You know what? They they could have been wrong, so they went ahead and backed their ass up and just gave it to her. Yeah. And I think it's a decent thing to do. Yeah. Because she could have easily said winging it. I think she did after mm -hmm. I listened to it a couple of times. But I also admit it could be the power of suggestion. Do you know what letters were missing when she made her guess? Was Hang it the on, G? Let's take, let's take a look. Because if it was W I N blank I N blank, then we could all we could just then, be like, yeah, then that's. The, well, then she would know it's not winning it because the other N would be up there if it was winning it. So you know she what? would I know even, that. Hang on. Uh, so there's no race, re, way she would say winning because the second N would be up there instead of a blank spot for the G. Okay. Hang on here. April 7th is when it was, right? Or what? <clears throat> of course, this may be their point, is to get us to all talk about Wheel of Fortune. That's the, uh, you know what? <laughs> Honestly, it's probably that. They yeah. already gave her it. <laughs> We're like the fish in the pond, and they drop a new lure in, and we go, Oh, look at that! Everyone look at that! And they jerk it around a bit, and then they drop a new lure in over there. Hey, everyone look at that over there! <laughs> We're we're being played. <laughs> we're all losing. We're all losing our mind over a beer can no. with a transgender person on it. <laughs> I know somebody's getting invaded somewhere, or a law's being passed that is going to really screw us. Yeah, I know. But we're all distracted by a trans beer can. I know. <laughs> so we're not paying attention. You know what? I. And you know, if that's what's going on, then it's probably what we all deserve. <laughs> <laughs> if we're that shallow, we're that that shallow we get distracted we by this meaningless shit. That. We deserve every screwing we're getting. Uh, and the thing <laughs> is, is all of these things want to run like a two-minute segment, so I yeah. don't know. Um, I, I think that, you know what, you're right. I'm going to take a look at it tonight, and I'll come up with my own decision, and you can look at it too. But Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe that's the key then, what words were left. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. But, um, let's see. The way the bonus, the way the bonus puzzle works is, if you say one word or, or uh -huh. one letter, uh -huh. all the letters appear on there. Yeah. So, if there was one N, you're all right, the ends would have showed would, up. It would have showed up, and they've been like, okay, that's not winning. Yeah, she would know it's not winning because the, the second N wouldn't have been there. So, I'm trying to find. I, a I don't see how Wheel of Fortune can deny her. Oh, me it's neither. Too obvious. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Mm -hmm. uh, no. Here it is, right here. Is the first one. Okay, I'm going to take a look at this here and see what it says. <laughs> and 
see, we're doing the internet search, so none of y'all have to. Yeah, yeah, you, you guys are welcome. I'm doing the grueling search here. Your phone's gonna get hit with all the targeted ads instead of everybody else. But so. meanwhile, Topher, oh, no, 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 look, the ends are in there. Yeah, so there's no way it'd be winning because the second end would be right there between that end and I. It, shit, okay. Yeah. You're right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, just, know, just the way she knows there's not another W in there because exactly. a W has already been said. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wheel of Fortune doesn't have a late stand on here. No, they don't. Nope. Yeah. Um, they no, don't ferment nothing against people with one leg. No. no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just thought I'd bring that out there. <laughs> uh, you know, the other day we were talking about uh, uh, plot devices that lazy script writers use. Mm -hmm. um, another one that has, uh, it was used for a while in like the 80s and 90s uh -huh. and has really fallen out of favor is the, uh, the plot device of the white savior. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the 70s, there was a show called The White Shadow. And it was a professional basketball player who was white uh -huh. who gave up his high-paid NBA career because he wanted to give back to the community. And so. actually, I, I remember that show really well since <laughs> you brought it up, but go yeah. ahead, I'm sorry. <clears throat> so he moves to an inner-city area and becomes a basketball coach at, <clears throat> excuse me, at an inner-city school uh -huh. where the majority of the students are black. And he turns it all around, and everybody starts succeeding. <clears throat> that was supposed to be a feel-good story, but on its at its core, it's saying, "Look at these poor black people who can't do for themselves. We better send a white person in there to save them." And that's the way it comes off. <clears throat> Michelle Pfeiffer did the same thing in Dangerous Minds. Uh huh. White um, school teacher goes to a black inner-city school. Saves them all because the magic white woman shows up and is the savior. Different strokes. Different strokes. The rich white guy adopts the two black kids and magically improves their life. Yeah, the white savior idea. Yep. And it's really fallen out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the white savior storyline was really just a uh, another disguise for the hand of God coming in and fixing everything. Like, okay. you know, the genie in Aladdin, you know, mm -hmm. it's God showing up to do magical things that you can't do on your own and giving you the life you want. <clears throat> um, in, uh, oh, what was the, the other movie? Ah, blanking. But anyway. You said it this morning. Yeah. Um, but, oh, well, oh, it, like Cinderella, the fairy yeah, godmother. Yeah, Cinderella's a good one, yeah. Yeah, you know, here is the fairy godmother represents God, you know, coming to give you the life that you always wanted, etc. Yeah. But Hollywood doesn't want to show Judeo-Christian storylines over and over and over, so they disguise God as, exactly. you know, the white savior who comes in to fix the broken school, or uh. the fairy godmother, or the genie in the lamp. Or, or like an avatar, the guy who rebels against his own kind and helps the blue people. It's, it's like, you know, the savior from outside. Yeah. And that's, that's a God trope. That's supposed to be God or Jesus coming in from heaven and fixing your life. Yeah. Um, 
but if you're not a Christian, then you don't want to see you know God or Jesus doing it. So they they disguise so it. So they disguise it. Yeah. You know, I, sometimes it's a cartoon rat. Sometimes it's a a scientist with extraordinarily large breasts. Well, like I brought you know, just like it's I always the same this, idea. Um, Adam West, Batman. Yes. He always had the exact right tool on his belt to get him out of this complex situation that never will rise again. But yeah. he just happens to have that tool on his belt. Yeah. Because that's something that God would be able to do is like handle anything that came along. Remember yeah. Uh, they were uh, surfboarding, and the Joker was surfboarding, and they were yeah. after him. And, uh, and the, a shark. <laughs> this was so cheesy. It was. I mean, he's chomping on his leg, and he yeah. grabs the... Bat, shark, shark repellent. repellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James Bond is another one. The uh, the villain will put him in a complex situation where he's going to die, but luckily Q has given him just the right special gadget, yes. <laughs> and he has access to it. So there again, it's like a retelling of God and his special powers. Yeah. But but it's interesting to note over and over again the the savior person seems to be what most of white middle class America thinks of as Jesus which no, is right. a it's white true. American Yep. you know a lot of people have a picture on their wall of who they say oh look that picture that's Jesus like yeah you weren't around you have no idea what he looks like I know but that it makes you happy to think that he looked like you blonde yes. blue eyes yeah. Six feet tall. Although he was uh, in a different region with yeah. very different looking He's people. Probably Arab. Probably Arab. <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah, but I, anyway, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is we yeah. don't know. But for for American consumption, the the good guy or the good girl, the the the, the person with all the powers to come in and swoop in and make everything right, generally is a white person. Well, it was. Now it's changed now. Yeah, now yeah. You, you have, like, the, the big-time actors that come in, like the Will Smiths and the Den- Well, it was Denzel Washington. Now it's like a... Yeah, I mean, now it's changed quite a bit, but for a long time we had that period where they came in, swooped in, and... Yeah. At, at most, a person of color would be, like, the sidekick, uh-huh. but never the, the main hero. That person's in a lot of trouble, whoever's having the plumbing problems. Yeah. That's a core drilling... Wow. They're going to have to bust into something and fix it. This is serious. Yeah, this serious is serious problem. shit. Sorry on a side note, watching, <laughs> the, watching the traffic around here. <laughs> well, um, I've, uh, I've noticed, yeah, some equality creeping in to how villains and heroes are cast mm-hmm. on TV shows. Um, you're familiar with the Lifetime Movie Network? Um, yeah. There's basically, there's, there's two channels in the lifetime there's there's one lifetime channel where it's movies designed um to scare the crap out of women <clears throat> because yeah. every plot line every storyline is a vulnerable woman in trouble getting her life basically threatened or her kill children's life threatened like killer nanny my husband's killer ex-girlfriend or you know the pool boy nightmare it's, it's always a white woman in desperate trouble and how she gets out of it yeah, but movie after movie is like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, like the Hallmark Channel where it's uh, their movies, pretty much the basic storyline is everybody in the movie is in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the movie is gorgeous, no matter what. All the women yes. are gorgeous. All the men are gorgeous. You know, the plumber down the street, he's gorgeous. I mean, everybody is just beautiful. 
and they all have very simple uh, minor problems that are easily solved and everybody's happy at the end. Well, I've, I've it's got designed it. to make you feel good and happy about everything. And, but I've noticed that in the terror movies, uh-huh. where you know it's supposed to scare the crap out of you, that up until recently, the villain has always either been a man or a white woman. Like the ex-girlfriend, ex-mistress. Mistress, oh, yeah, yeah, Or yeah. the stalker boyfriend or the one-night stand. But, yeah. But here recently, the villains, they're starting to cast black women as the villains. You said this, and we never did get this on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I started noticing you're right. They have that. Been. Now, that's equality, is they, that the entertainment industry feels comfortable and enough also, that they can portray a black yeah. woman on screen as someone you want to hate. And also notoriety, too. Yeah. You make more credit being a villain than you do a hero, I think, in yeah, the movie Yeah, it shows your range. And, yeah, exactly. You know, people remember that more. I've got one for you. Is it a Nissan commercial where they have the new Nissan sales extravaganza? Where it started with a guy and a chick doing, like, Spy versus Spy, where, like, uh, the chick's taken off from her wedding or whatever. Oh, then yeah. Then the guy says, that, well, the latest is the butler did it. Have you seen that commercial? Yeah. Okay. Have you noticed in the middle of there, it goes, although no crimes were committed, um, or it, it has a disclaimer built in it when mm. the guy, the guy, the, the black guy that says, it appears the butler did it, and the butler's a shifty, skinny white guy, like, uh-huh. like looking real evil. Yeah. And then he, get, they, he gets in his car, and then the hero gets in his car mm-hmm. and chases after him. Yeah. Okay. In the middle of that, he goes, although no laws were broken. And then it starts going into... Yeah. I, I was just like, does anyone catch this? Do they have to say that this guy really did not kill somebody, or whatever, or whatever you think they did? Well, it's like in the. It 90- would appear the butler did it. Yeah. That could be anything. Maybe he took someone's shoelace. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. You read a, a, a car's owner manual from the fifties, uh-huh. and it'll tell you how to rebuild your engine. You read a car's owner's manual for today, and it tells you not to drink the engine oil. <laughs> yes. So that true. shows you where we yep. are. <laughs> so here we are in society. Um, I've noticed another one is uh, for for a long time, commercials have loved the trope of the useless white guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always the butt of the joke. He's the guy that isn't using your product. Yeah. He doesn't get it. Doesn't understand. So yep. useless white guy. Um. There's some insurance company that's got the TV dad thing, where the guy's asking somebody you know, advice. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, say, oh yeah, why yeah. did I ask TV dad? And when his real dad standing right uh-huh. there and already suggested it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they started out. You know, the TV dad is a black man that kind of looks dressed up like uh, uh, Mr. Huxtable on the Bill Cosby show. Yeah, yeah. A little different since they made him a little bit more overweight. Yeah. Stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So enough to the bring back the same type of likability when right. you see him. It's like, oh look, just a gentle old guy. Yeah. So yeah. you're supposed to think of the good things about the Cosby Show, exactly, but not think of Bill Cosby himself, who's a sick critter. I think that's why they made this. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why they made this guy a little bit heavier. Yeah. But you know, TV dad down on a couch. Yeah. But that is absolutely Bill Cosby in as whatever Bill Huxtable. Yeah. They want you to think of the Huxtables. Yeah. yeah. So as the first couple of commercials. The TV dad would be the one they paid attention to. He's saying the right things, or he's saying the exact same thing that the white dad said, only people are paying attention to the TV dad. Exactly. And but now, go over and hug him. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But now that's changed. In a recent commercial, 
it's uh, like a teenage girl, a white teenage girl, who is asking about insurance. And then the TV dad explains something to her, and then she rolls her eyes like he's the biggest idiot, and she can't. I don't think I've seen it. this one. So now they're portraying not only is it just the useless white guy in the ads, now it's the useless guy. Whatever whatever ethnicity you are, if you're a guy in the commercial, you're the useless okay. idiot, the fool. I want to go a step further. And that's, a, that's another thing. I was going to say that's another way of showing that commercial producers are getting more comfortable with black actors in the commercials that they're willing to make the black person in the commercial look like the fool. Now that's something they wouldn't dare do. No, they wouldn't have done that for probably it was always at least the white guy. The period, I agree. Or if you were clowning the black guy in the commercial, it was always done by a white woman. Yes, it wasn't. Wendy's yeah. does that over and over. Yeah, they, they do. have a black guy who's getting clowned by a white woman, and that's safe. Yeah, that's safe. Yeah. So the the insurance commercial is still it's a young white woman, like 17, 18 or whatever, and she's clowning the black guy, but it's safe because it's a white woman doing it. I know. If it was yeah. a white man doing it, commercial oh, would never air. It would have never. It aired. would never air because oh, it's offensive. It's a. But they're willing to accept being berated and humiliated by a white woman. Apparently no, that's really, okay. I, <laughs> I know. I know. Oh god. Douchebags and microphone.net, your one stop for douchebaggery. You want to write us? You want to say something to us? You want to look for a live button? When we go live, you can call in. All of this stuff is right there for your ear holes and eye holes. You got it, chumps. It's all yours. Two douchebags and microphone.net is up and running. Hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe Hey, where do they go? We're the douchebags. Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Oh, man, that smells.